Hello, and welcome back to the 17th episode of the Tough Take Podcast. I'm Zacharine. And I'm Luca DeLosta. In today's episode, we will be talking about the NBA free agency, Would You Rather in the Sports World, the Wimbledon Finals for Men and Women, Mad Maxers' return, what's going on with Baker Mayfield at the time, and look forward in the sports world. Let's get right into it. So let's kick it off with the NBA free agency with some key signed players. I know your favorite, Bradley Beal, signed a five-year, $251 million deal with the Wizards. How do you feel about that? I'm very relieved because when I saw he declined that player option, I was worried that he was not going to return to the Wizards. But, I mean, he said he's uh, in D.C. for life. So I'm obviously, as a Wizards fan, it's great to see a player like him who's all-star caliber return. Then to go along with another five-year deal, Zach Levine of the Bulls had a five-year, $215 million, which is good. And then Jalen Brunson, this was expected of a four-year, $104 million deal with the Knicks. But the Knicks are reported to have been in contact negotiations with Brunson prior to free agency starting. That might have to do a little bit with his dad also getting a job with the organization. And they, they could be punished for that. I saw reports saying that they there's potential they could be punished. And apparently the Mavericks tried to offer him a five-year deal, but, I mean, it was predicted that the Knicks were saving up money to give him that massive contract, and it's no surprise he's ending up in the Big Apple. And then Anthony Simmons with a four-year $100 million deal with the Trailblazers. He's really improved over the last year, like we were talking about before the show. Lou Dort with a five-year $87.5 million deal with the Thunder, who's gotten better over the draft. I mean, you look at Chet in the summer league so far. He's been looking scary. However, he did get he he got bodied in his last game against Memphis. Mitchell Robinson with the four-year, sixty million dollar deal with the Knicks. Marvin Bagley the third with a three-year, thirty-seven million dollar deal with the Pistons, and then we have T.J. Warren with a one-year deal with the Nets. And I saw something. T.J. Warren is an X. Exquisite player when he's healthy. I'm not going to lie. The last time he was fully healthy was the bubble, and he was averaging like 29 points a game or something. He was going nuts in the bubble, and that was the last time he's healthy. So if he can get healthy, that's a good pickup for the Nets. And then we look at the top remaining free agents. We have James Harden, who yesterday we found out took a $15 million pay cut. I think he's going to stay with the Sixers. Yeah, I saw something. They're trying to negotiate now a two-year deal. DeAndre Ayton, who's a restricted free agent. Dennis Schroeder. Colin Sexton, who's also a restricted free agent. Montrez Harrell. And then Carmelo Anthony, who was previously with the Lakers. I mean, the, the re- remaining free agents, I mean, there's some big names. Like, you have still James Harden, but it's kind of expected that he's going to stay in Philly. DeAndre Ayton, restricted free agent. So, I mean, there's a chance that he goes to another team, but it, I think there's this, this remaining class is kind of it's on the low. And let me look at some key extensions. We have some big ones. Nikola Jokic, the two-time reigning MVP with a five-year, $270 million deal to extend with the Nuggets. Devin Booker with a four-year, $224 million deal with the Suns. Cat, Carl Anthony Tones, four-year, $224 million with the T-Wolves. John Morant with a five-year, $193 million rookie max deal to extend with the Grizzlies. And then the last two. Zion Williamson signing his five-year deal last week, $193 million rookie max deal to extend with the Pelicans. Great pickup there. 
And then Darius Garland returning to the Cavaliers' five-year, $193 million rookie max deal as well. You go along with the Cavs. They also got Ricky Rubio back after they s- traded him away in a deal to get Karis LeVert, but they've re-signed him back, which is, I love Ricky Rubio. I think he's a good player. And that deal for Nikola Jokic is the biggest in NBA history. All right, let's move on to some would-you-rather in the sports world. I'm going to throw some at Luka right now. So first off, in an NBA Game 7 in overtime, would you rather be scored on and lose the game or if you're on offense, get stuffed and lose the game? Hear me out. What will people remember? You getting scored on, but it's not like it's not specified. It could be a layup. It could be anything. Or will people remember you getting absolutely just smoked at the rim? Probably getting blocked. Exactly. So I'm going to go with I would rather get scored on because that will be – people will remember it for maybe a week and it will be gone. Another one. In a MLB World Series Game 7 extra innings, would you rather lose while you're getting struck out or you an outfielder trying to rob a home run but you dropped it? I'm going to go with trying to rob the home run and drop it. Because it shows, I think, that you, I mean, it's a better play that you went for. It's a harder play, I would say. But, I mean, if you strike out and you lose in a game seven, it's it's really unfortunate. And I think you're going to have a lot more emotions running through yourself saying, oh, I could have done something different. Whereas robbing a home run, it's already as hard as it is to climb that wall and go jump and get the ball. For it to just slip out the glove, it happens couple more here this is a tough one would you rather take responsibility for losing the championship or have a teammate take credit for the win when you really did deserve it i'm just gonna go with the teammate taking credit for the win and when you deserve it because winning overall as a team is better than losing would you rather coach a college or professional team that's a tough one actually because i think the obvious answer would be professional but like for some sports i think people are more engaged with college like college basketball if i was a college basketball co- coach i would way rather be a college basketball coach than a professional coach all right last one here this is a tough one would you rather watch a regular season game courtside or a high stakes playoff game for all the marbles from the rafters oh no from the rafters playoff game there's nothing better than a game on the line and just being there the atmosphere is crazy I have one for you. Would you rather be the player who blocks somebody for the win or be the player that hits like a Ray Allen type three-pointer to tie the game up in a huge situation? The Ray Allen type situation. Think about it. You got to think about it. People today still remember and try to like recreate that Ray Allen shot, but then, I mean, a game-winning block, you could look at it kind of like if you think about it in the way like the bronze block in game seven, that could be like a, a big block and that kind of thing. But I think the shot would be more inevitable and probably the shot. And I, have, I have a player one. I, I'm always curious what people say. Would you rather have Steph Curry shooting or John Morant's athleticism? Shooting. Steph Curry shooting. Quick answer. One last player one for you. I was thinking about this. Jamar Chase's agility and elusiveness or DeAndre Hopkins' hands? 
and and we were talking about this a little before, and it's it's either you have the good hands and the average agility, or the average hands and the good agility. And I'm gonna go with the hands because if you have average agility as a wide receiver, you can still get by. But if you have average hands as a wide receiver, you are not getting by. You have to have spectacular hands. I'm just lucky that Jamar Chase is both. There's plenty of players that are both. So let's move on to the Wimbledon finals for the women's. I'll let you start. And I just want to... The final actually just ended with Eleanor Rybakina winning in three sets. So she lost the first set, won the second two straight, but she looked absolutely shaky in that first set. She was missing her serves with one of the best and most powerful service games throughout the tournament. And she just wasn't, she she was slow on her feet, she was on her heels, she looked nervous, but, I mean, she calmed down and won two straight sets to win. Rivakina came in as a heavy underdog as Jabur coming into the match, 11-0 in matches on grass, and 22-2 in her last 24 matches, which is really sensational. She got the job done, though, winning her first Wimbledon title. And now let's move to the gentleman's side, which was between or is going to be between number one Novak Djokovic, who else? And Nick Kyrgios out of Australia. He's not given a number rank. Kyrgios advanced to the final after number two Rafael Nadal had to withdraw from the tournament after severing an abdominal in a quarterfinal against Taylor Fritz, which almost caused him to quit mid-match. His dad wanted him to quit. His dad was telling him to quit, but he refused. It's such an adult thing. He tried to practice, but couldn't, and he withdrew what now? Yesterday or two days ago? It's unfortunate, but now we're going to see Kyrgios, who is 2-0 against Djokovic, both matches being in 2017, go against Djokovic, who, if he wins this, will be his fourth consecutive Wimbledon title. I mean, that's just incredible. And Djokovic, he looked shaky against Yannick Sinner in the quarterfinal, but won three straight sets after going down 0-2. And then last time, he, last round, he was frustrated, but somehow won three straight sets again after going down 0-1. He just plays so picturesque. So, and the finals is tomorrow at 10 a.m. Definitely check it out. And now we have Mad Max Scherzer's return. So Scherzer returned to the Mets pitching rotation Tuesday night versus Cincinnati Reds after missing two months with an oblique injury. He threw six scoreless innings and only gave up two hits and hit a batter with a pitch. That's a pretty Max Scherzer stat line right there. When he's in at his best, it's hard to figure him out, and he's just going. He struck out a season-high 11 batters through six innings, he only threw 79 pitches despite wanting to reach the 95 to 99 range. He also showed great control as well, throwing 17 of his 21 first pitches as strikes, and then going to 50 and then going to 57 for 79 on pitches that were strikes. He said that he felt great and even even the clock a season high of a 97.1 fastball. It's great to hear that he feels great because an oblique injury as a pitcher can be devastating considering that they are turning their body out on every pitch and I mean it was also surprising because when he was doing his double a rehab he was not looking like Max Scherzer 
He started for Binghamton and against Hartford, they scored three runs off him in four and two-thirds innings. And that's double A. So it's great to see him back on the mound, and they will definitely be eager to get Jacob deGrom back on the mound in that rotation. That can be so lethal. Let's move over to the Baker Mayfield situation as he was traded to Carolina. So the Panthers traded for Baker Mayfield from the Browns in exchange for a fifth-round pick, which is basically just a scrap. You can always – there's always good late-round picks, but a fifth – I mean – I saw it was conditional, though. Like, there's a way it can be a fourth-round pick, but still, like, that's nothing for somebody who was a former first overall pick in the draft. So this now makes the Panthers quarterback room a little bit better, but they uh, – Sam Darnold – Baker Mayfield, who Sandor actually went third after Baker Mayfield, and Matt Corral, who they previously drafted. So it's a pretty shaky QB room, if you were to ask me. I think there's some potential. I think Baker definitely has a little more to offer than Sam Darnold. But then if you look at the Panthers, like we were talking about, Robbie Anderson, about 12 weeks ago, when a post came out saying that Carolina was Baker's likely landing spot. He commented, no, with a lot of O's. So I don't think he's too optimistic about this. But I've seen mixed interviews with him. I mean, he said, I'm pretty sure that he said no because he was starting to build a chemistry with Sam Darnold. And when you switch quarterbacks like that a lot, it's hard to get that receiver to quarterback chemistry. And if you look at Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, who had the chemistry from college, you can see what they can do. And then you look at like some guy like Karen McLaurin, like we've talked about before, with seven quarterbacks. Yeah. And one thing about Baker is I saw he's seen as childish and immature from other teammates in the Browns locker room. It's, he said they de- he deteriorates relationships and like team bonding in that. I mean, for example, OBJ is that situation with his dad. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, though, because Baker Mayfield in 2020 – led them to the Browns to their first playoff win in years. And they had 11-5 record, and he, that was the last time he was healthy. So who knows what Baker Mayfield can do when he's healthy. And then talking about OBJ, I wrote this down. The previous first-round pick has had a lot of weapons coming into this previous season. At the beginning of the season, they had OBJ, who did get traded away, though. Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Austin Hooper, David Njoku, and still couldn't get it done. And you look at the defense. The defense was pretty good around the year, but, I mean, they clearly couldn't win on the games. So I was thinking, could this be the big break for Baker to get the job done? I think this is probably one of the last draws in Baker's road. But then the interesting thing, week one, Browns at Carolina. So that'll be a... But another question is DJ Moore. I mean, you saw what he was able to do last season with Sam Darnold at QB. Obviously, QB actually is not set yet. This is going to shape up for a very interesting training camp down in Charlotte, North Carolina, with Matt Corral, Sam Darnold, and Baker all fighting for that starting spot. It's heavy presumed that it's going to be Baker. But another worry for me is their offensive line. Baker came from is going from the best offensive line to a very very poor offensive line and for a guy who's been laboring injury for the past two years plus he can't get hit all that much and be healthy 
Let's move on to our interesting fact that also has to do with Mr. Max Scherzer. I'll let you. Tuesday night's game was Max Scherzer's 28th career game with 10 strikeouts and no walks, pushing him past six-time All-Star Kurt Schilling for second most games with 10 strikeouts and no walks. I mean, that's impressive in itself. He only follows now Diamondback Hall of Famer Randy Johnson, who recorded 36 games with that stat line. Makes sense why he's a Hall of Famer if he's put up 30 games, 36 games with 10 strikeouts, no walks. But now let's move on to games to look forward to this weekend slash week, starting with your game. So I wrote down the Yankees versus Red Sox tomorrow night, 7.08 p.m. The Yankees, probably the best team in baseball. The Red Sox, a little bit worse, but still a very, very strong team. So that would be a good game to watch. I mean, it's Yankees-Red Sox, one of the biggest rivalries in all of baseball. Sunday night, 7 o'clock p.m. Definitely a game to watch if you can. But also tomorrow is the gentlemen's final for Wimbledon between Djokovic and Kyrgios as we mentioned before if you can tune into that I mean it's it's the most prestigious tennis tournament one of the most prestigious tournaments in sports but yeah those are some good games to look forward to and with that I guess that's it thank you for listening it's been Zach Green Luca Delasto